influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to episode 158 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's a Wednesday, guys, which means it's a solo show. There's no guest today. You're stuck with little old me. Rant, roasting and ridiculing whatever the fuck is happening out there. If it's your first time listening, welcome. You're very welcome in these here parts. This is a twice weekly show about, you know, politics and dystopia and everything in between. Uh, Friday night is the live stream where I'm usually joined by a guest and recent guests have included the wonderful Marina Perkis, uh, Super Tansky, Ian Dale, Dane Baptiste, Femi Oluwole, um, and then Wednesdays is this shit. Just you and me. <laughs> you with your fucking, you know, iPhone earbuds in looking for some salvation from a cruel and callous world using this podcast as company while you, you know, what, tidy up the lounge after the kids have gone to bed? Or um, or maybe you've got me on in your car to break the tedium because you're on your way to some insufferable thing that you can't be fucked to go to. But for some reason, you have to. Maybe your mum was like, oh, what do you mind? Could be round for a cuppa to see your dad. He'd, he'd love to see you. And you're like, oh, God. So you put this on in the car on the way, you know, so it feels like someone else is with you. Someone who is also feeling comically shit about everything. Maybe. Maybe that's you. Would, would you mind coming round for a cuppa to see your dad? He'd love to see you. Like, what would happen if you answered that honestly? Like, what would actually happen to your family and relationships if you just spat back like yes mum yes i would mind you're three hours away it's a fucking ball lake and for for what but don't, don't you want to see your dad oh he loves seeing you i don't give a fuck he doesn't listen to a word i say i mean it literally would be just him seeing me so what is the point what is the value of either of us being there i mean obviously you don't say that because you're not you know, a sociopath. So instead, you say, yeah, yeah, well, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll try and pop over. Because we're nice, aren't we? You and me. <laughs> we're nice people, dear listeners. Anyway, look, maybe now you're in your car and you're on your way there and you're driving past, you know, the, the welcome break or whatever, wondering, wondering to yourself, which would actually be worse? Which would be the worst outcome? right now if a sleepy lorry driver plowed me off the road or if i made it to the family gathering again like which would cause me less pain really i'd have friends of mine catching up in like you know a week or two weeks so did, did you um did you hear about aid uh no well he was he was on his way to a, a family gathering thing and and well, what happened and um well, it was a car crash. Well, yeah, I mean, they always are for him, aren't they? No, you idiot. He he died in a car accident on the way there. Oh, man. Well, at least he escaped a horrific event. Anyway, look, if that is you, <laughs> 
if that's you also, uh, if that's you listening to me now to break the monotony of your drive to your parents or your in-laws or whatever, good for you. And you are very welcome here. Pull up a pew, grab a beer, you know, or a little can of M&S, G&T or whatever. And please allow me to serve as relief from whatever awfulness you're using me as relief from though look let's let's keep the podcast as honest as we can right if you are you if you're listening to me as some light relief <laughs> from your real problems <laughs> you might have some real problems is all i'm saying because this show is a bummer this podcast is a buzzkill i always used to say like with my stand-up cheers by the way i always used to say when I did a lot of stand-up, uh, like some people go to comedy shows to laugh and to feel uplifted and to leave the show happier. Right. And I bring you in, hold up a mirror to your world, show you how fucking awful everything is. You laugh in hysterics and leave the comedy club literally in tears. Like it is like anti-comedy. You may have even noticed that. I mean, I'm sure this show has been generously described as anti-comedy. From time to time. But yeah. Me as light relief from whatever else you're going through is, you know, is pretty funny. Because that shit must be dark. <laughs> you know what it's like? It's a bit like, um, you know, when your friend comes out of a really shit relationship. Right. I don't know if you've ever had a friend that's got together with someone who, you know, it was abusive. It was unreliable and chaotic and hectic and. Anyway, your friend comes out of a really terrible relationship and then she gets with someone who's only a financial basket case. And you're like, no, 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 Nina, Nina, this, 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 this isn't good. No. And she's like, but he doesn't hit me. He did so it's good, right? He's, this is good. He doesn't hit me. Like, I guess that would be uplifting by comparison. So that's me, I guess, you know, depressing and dark and occasionally fun you know but just not as bad as your actual life like that is the new tagline i think anyway look, let's move on now i've set out my stool so perfectly today uh big dot for the cap to the patreons busy week on patreon there's uh, six new backers uh, in the last week and that's really great really um what's the word I don't know, motivates me, really drives me when I, I hear that people are really enjoying the content that's, that's going out. Um, it's big things, guys. People are noticing. So, yeah, big shout to our newest members of my Binfluencer cult that I'm building, uh, ready for the apocalypse. Because like, after the world all comes crashing down, you're going to need a cult, all right? You need total devotion and protection from your cult members all around you. Anyway, look, doff of the cap to Kai, Elsie, uh, Eddie, Jeff, Mark, and Richard. Um, oh, and also while we're on the subject of Patreon, the next meetup, in-person meetup, live, in London, in the flesh, getting pissed, talking shit about Tories. There might be tequila involved. That is happening on Friday the 28th of April in London. So if that sounds like your vibe, um, then jump on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an IN. You get two ep two episodes? You get... <laughs> can't, can't talk today. You get episodes of the podcast two days before everyone else. There's a Discord chat, which is like instant messaging, a bit like WhatsApp and 
Uh, you get first look at live shows, like the gig that me and Danny fucking Price did uh, the other week. Uh, there's these in-person meetups, and the whole thing starts at like £3 a month. So look, I know it's a hard time, uh, but if you are in a position to support the show, amazing. Because I want it to grow and for it to become a full-time thing. And, you know, from my heart and my, my chaotic bank account and my, you know, ever more fed up day job employers, probably like every little three pounds a month gets me a little bit nearer to this being my full time gig. I'm a long way off yet, though. I should say that. Anyway, look, let's jump into this. Are we ready? Should we do it, guys? Three, two, one. And we are off like a prom dress. So what's going on out there? What's happening? There's lots of talk today about snowmageddon every year isn't it every fucking year we have to deal with this shit snowmageddon trending on twitter all over the newspapers and this is happening in the same country that you know riverside towns collapse when it rains a bit towns that are built around rivers their banks just swell and overflow and you ambulances can't get to certain parts of the town like this is a country that shuts down almost entirely when it's what the the wrong type of snow well that was a thing do you remember that and the only thing that seems to work more efficiently arguably or perhaps the inverse of that the only thing that seems to carry on working fine is the media which goes into overdrive reporting on it like it's the fucking end of days or something snowmageddon again <laughs> I mean, we really, we should expect it by this point, shouldn't we? I mean, we should expect the snow because of the fucking climate that we have, but we should also expect the blanket coverage, no pun intended. Um, we should not be surprised in the slightest that rather than report on the shit that is actually touching people's lives right now, mortgages, rents, cost of living strikes yes i do i do feel like a broken record going on about this stuff but it perplexes me how these things get ignored you know and how the public just blindly accept these other diversionary stories you know how they get willfully distracted again and again and it's the same with this shit it's another comfort story it's another distraction story and so once again with a little bit of snow, the UK media will go running towards this distraction story like fucking Nadine Dorries to a wine fridge when there's a marginally bad news item for Boris Johnson. Right? Like, it's like every time this happens. I mean, you thought the big news of the week or month or last six months was that your kids might, you know, their rent might go up to two grand a month or, or that all of their friends are going to be living in their cars soon or that three of your daughter's mates are escorts now we're fucking we're three weeks away from easter guys it's a time of rebirth well happy easter nigel your niece is on only fans that's her new career such as the financial demands of the current economy you thought that real shit was the top story of the week, month and year. But no, you'll be pleased to learn that there are actually more important things happening, more urgent things, paradoxically more important, more serious stories that take precedence while also serving as light relief. <laughs> like, 
Oh, look, look, look over there. Look, Brexit Barbie's just made Hancock look like a right cunt. It's that kind of stuff. Like, oh, my God. Is this seriously the most urgent thing that you could be reporting right now? Like, aren't you people supposed to be journalists? There's a big story out there. It's almost an actual scoop. You might even be the first ones to properly cover it, to give it the coverage it deserves. Like, every day of every week until the government actually do something. It's called, get ready for it, inflation and mortgages and rents are about to explode and everything's fucked. And they, they would be like, oh, uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, that does sound like a, does sound like a, a, a interesting story. And we'd be like, have you, have, have you got a more interesting story a bigger story cooking have, well yeah yeah i do actually oh well, fucking great let's hear it i mean these people's rents are up by another 90 percent, like literally 600 pounds a month my street is littered with the frozen bodies of broke pensioners like this fucking elizabeth drive is the the the, the dead zone of mount everest but sure sure let's hear this story this is going to be big guys all right here we go let's let's give the mic to them because it's going to be a huge story here we go it's going to blow us away right you ready ready here we go three two one go okay um uh there's there's been a bit of snow overnight well fuck me gently that is the pulitzer prize in the bag there great job British media. There's some snow in Britain. So anyway, now this will gollop up column inches for the next couple of days. This will be the latest excuse to not cover actual news. And this is after the, uh, you know, what, the, the recent buffet of distraction stories, the, um, there was the, the Starmer, Sue Gray stuff very, very recently. Um, then Hancock being a prick. Uh, Shamima Begum, Chinese weather balloons, gender self-identification, travel lodge race riots, Harry and Meghan. Anything to avoid talking about the actual real issue. Like, it's getting sad now. It's fucking embarrassing. Like, doesn't, doesn't anyone have any dignity anymore? <laughs> He says, he says, recording a podcast in, in his pants, knocking back his second IPA alone, r ranting into the ether. Like, how, how come nobody has any dignity anymore? But honestly, like, it's fucking embarrassing. This need to report anything, you know, and amp it up anything to avoid the elephant in the room, you know? Like, so are you going to talk about impending homelessness, you know, tent cities and, uh, you know, the new upcoming normality of 10 adults living in a three bed house? Oh, oh and uh, uh, the king. Look, look over there. The king has said, uh, uh, Megan, uh, you know, people's patience just wearing ever thinner. Like, shut the fuck up about the king and Megan. What is going on with my mortgage? Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. It's, uh, I've, I've got it. Um, it's um, <laughs> uh, French dinghies. French dinghies are, um, uh, uh, people traffickers are going to start using those uh, Chinese weather balloons to fly in the foreigners. Like, people are going to snap, man. They're going to be like, no, that's it. I've heard enough. This is some fucking bullshit. They're going to move into the ITN building. It's going to be Occupy Corporate News. It's just sad at this point. Seeing these diversionary 
corporate media subservient tabloids, right? All pathetically try to divert attention away from this, like, imagine it like this. Imagine it's a huge fuck-off tidal wave of poverty and homelessness, and it's just gathering and towering, and it's going to crash down, and we can see it building and building. And, you know, the person on the beach is like, there was some, uh, look over there, there's some snow. Like, snow is the fucking headline. The main news stories this morning, check this out. This was Sky News. Police warn drivers to avoid travelling as snow falls in the south of England. That's UK-wide. Sky News. Top story. The south of England has had some snow. The Daily Express. This is Daily Express. Snow track alive. UK warned of chaos as teams work around the clock to keep roads open. The Daily Mail. Met Office issues five-day yellow warning with temperatures set to plunge to minus 10. Like, come on, guys. How long are we going to keep this up? Like, aren't you exhausted? You know, you know what it's like, right? It's like, um, it's like a, a family meal, right? A family meal, meal that you would rather get in a road accident than attend, apparently. Yes, all my political explainers do use a family metaphor for some reason. No, I don't care. But this snow coverage, right? All of this type of coverage, this distraction, diversionary stuff, it's like a family meal, right? It's, imagine this, right? It's your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, and then maybe a couple of kids running around, right? And your mum's got the nice china out. It's a nice meal. You're all catching up, right? And it, well, rather, it's supposed to be a nice meal. But a couple of you know there's some shit going down, right? Real shit. A couple of you know your dad has been back at the bookies, right? <laughs> like, your dad's been back at the bookies. And he took out an equity release behind your mum's back on the family home, hundreds of thousands of pounds. And he blew it over six months on strippers and gambling and cocaine and having a good time. Don't fucking judge him. right? He's had a hard life, for God's sake. Let him have some fun. But the fun was expensive. And, you know, pretty soon the bailiffs are going to come for the house and the heirlooms and indeed the posh china. But, you know, we don't talk about money at the table do we? And uh, certainly not this situation. <laughs> so your mum is just desperate to keep the topic of conversation off the fact that everyone's inheritance is gone, that the house is going and, that you know, if they don't sell quick, the interest on the equity release is just going to pile and pile and then they'll be left with nothing. And it's all just so, so bad. But every time the subject turns to money, the mum is like, oh, they say uh, they say it's going to snow tomorrow. You know, that is British news right now. Some real shit bubbling up. A couple of people know about it. But every time it gets close to the front page, it's like, oh, it's, uh, look over there. Like, they say there's going to be some snow. You're like, mum, what the fuck? We were talking about where we're going to go on holiday. Anyway, look now, look, I like Brazil. Because I've never been to Brazil and, you know, Tabitha said it was just stupendous. I mean, she used slightly more risque, more ribald language because, I mean, you know, you know, Tabitha. And then your dad's like, yeah, yeah, I know Tabitha. And 
And you look over and you're like, but Hugo, Hugo, you said South Africa again, which would be great for the little one. And then your mum interjects again, desperate to divert away from anything to do with spending large amounts of money. And she's like, oh, yeah, do, do you know who else went to South Africa? Um, Harry and Meghan. And, and I'll tell you what, that Meghan, oh, I, I, I don't know what to think of her. I can't wait for the son to tell me. Mum, can you stop interrupting? We're trying to arrange a holiday here and you keep derailing and distracting us. Now, listen, Dad, what's your budget for you and Mum? Oh, quick, look, look outside. Look at everyone. Look outside. There's a there's a white balloon in another country. Now, am I losing my mind or is that us? Is that not the perfect metaphor for British media in 2023? So, yes, for the rest of the day now today, it will be snow. And I don't know what train lines are down and uh, and get this right. It'll be it'll be snowy reports, right? <laughs> snowy reports, unironically, about who's without power, <laughs> like unintentionally, hilariously reporting about who doesn't have power but just off the back of the snowy weather, which itself will be a distraction story to get you to not think about the fact you can't afford your fucking power. Like, you're going to have journalists on the TV who are supposed to get to the truth, right? Reporters who studied journalism. How to get to a good story. Follow the truth. Follow the clues who are going to completely ignore this, this fucking, you know, over here, this marching band of the cost of living crisis over here. <laughs> completely ignore that. You know, and, and half the country can't afford gas and electric anyway, and they're going to stand there with a straight face, like, and uh, parts of Greater London and the home counties are still without power. <laughs> like, like a straight frozen face. With their tie and lapel mic and a shirt they haven't been able to wash for four weeks because the washing machine's too expensive to run. These people are still without power. Like, like the camera and the sound guy behind the camera, like, they're gonna stop rolling. They're gonna stop holding the boom mic, just bring it. They're gonna look at this correspondent. Like, parts of the country are having to do without power. Are they? Oh, really? Well, I wonder what that'll be like. Like, why, why not Why not really troll the country with this sort of thing? Like, there is, there is real fear that if this cold weather doesn't let up, there might be a shortage of tomatoes. Like, people, people, people are going to stare at their pay-me-to-television flaring up with scurvy because they're so devoid of fresh produce in Tesco and Morrison. And they're eating fucking dandelions for lunch. They're going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'd quite like that. The troll factor. You know, a correspondent comes on and he's reporting back to the GMB studio or whatever. Maybe they're stood in front of a lake. You know, and the lake is all frozen, completely frozen over, right? And then they'll come on and they'll say, you know, normally in spring, Richard, you might see people swimming in this lake and like in view <laughs> there's there's shit just full-on visible shits floating by you know toilet floaters but they're in the lake and you can see bog roll and shit behind him normally 
you might see people swimming in this lake. But thanks to the cold snap, I don't think we'll see any today. And then what would happen? Then fucking Richard Madeley would make some awful joke or Partridgean segue to his next segment. I don't know what that would be. What would it be? And from from those without power to uh, to more people without power, the UK Labour Party. You know, it would be like that. It's just a shitty like uh, like in his mind. I think I think Richard Madeley thinks he's being pretty clever, like with these these jokes. You know that they generate laughs, like actual audible laughs. But honestly, to anyone with a brain, it generates I don't know the the opposite. Of a laugh. What's the opposite of a laugh, Aid? Eh? Well, I don't know. Fucking what? Like a bulk? A hiccup? <laughs> Reverse laugh be hic- Yeah, a hiccup. Richard Madeley makes me hiccup. <laughs> there you go. That's the episode title. It's like the laughs are trying to reverse direction or something, you know, whenever that cunt cracks a joke. Like, I'm sorry, but I did the London Comedy Circuit for five years, all right? And I don't want to sound like some HBO special fucking veteran. I wasn't amazing, but I did okay, all right? And I kind of feel like I ish sort of know what's funny. Like there's some stuff that works and some stuff that doesn't. And you try and fail and learn and succeed sometimes. And you build up a knowledge, right, of what works and what doesn't. It's based on people's vibes and their tone, their character, their style. And, uh, you know, as a byproduct of that, I kind of ish know what the reaction is to different people's styles, right? To Maidley's style. Like when someone's trying to be funny or trying to be a bit clever, like I kind of already know what the reaction would be to those words coming out of that face, specifically that face or your face or my, you know, that, that they're not very clever joke, how that would be received if they pretend to, to am i making sense like like it's a unique thing and like yes i know i'm going off on a tangent here but it fucking indulge me for a minute we'll get on to the stop the boat ship but i could tell you some weird stories about the open mic circuit man like where people don't survive that sort of i don't know like maths equation i guess like where their joke right in and of itself isn't as clever as the person telling it is confident that it is clever. Does that make sense? Like, there's a disconnect there. Like, you know, if I'm super confident, but my joke's quality doesn't match that confidence, that is just fucking audience kryptonite. That that will kill a room. Like, legitimately, the reaction to that is always the same, right? It's this. I'll, I'll take you through it, right? This is exactly what happens when someone tries to be a bit too clever the joke isn't actually that clever and the act is way overconfident about it. Like, like confidence is good. It'll get you far in life. But in stand-up, if you're too confident for your shit material, it actually does the opposite. So here's, here's what happens, right? Here's what goes on in an audience when someone tells a joke that they think is clever. But to, like, this is what happens, right? When you, when you madely it, right? The comic says, comic is up on stage and they, they will say something like, what's, what's a shit joke? Um... They'll say, oh, right, okay, here we go. Um, I went to the garden centre the other day, right? Went to the garden centre and um, and I tried to steal some fencing, right? And then the security card, he, he called me a thieving cunt. And I turned around and I said, hey, no need for that language. And, and, and so then the security guard goes, oh, oh, 
No need to take offence, right? I mean, it's a pretty shit joke. Right, some of you are going to be laughing at that. I know. But it's half a pity laugh, I'm sure. It's just very basic wordplay. Take offence and take a fence, right? Now, imagine if I performed that in a room of oversaturated comedians, right? No real audience or very few. Everyone's tired. It's a Monday night, but I'm way overconfident about it. <laughs> like, first of all, here's what's going to happen. The audience are going to be silent. Because you're putting everyone on edge. Because we all know your shit. So, like, how come you don't? How come... How come you can't tell how bad you're being, right? Like, how are you having a good time up there? So we're silent. We're on edge. But then the next thing, right, here's the, the next aspect of it. The eyes go wider. Like, not full-on wide-eyed, but a bit wide. Like, wide enough for you to notice, but not so wide that you home in on us or, or you know, kick off about it like vaguely politely wide-eyed like you might see if um you know if somebody swore in a bank you know <laughs> like that sort of like cream right that's you know so the audience are silent and a bit wide wide-eyed right and last thing emotionless mouth right no grimace no smile just emotionless that is the reaction that richard madeley jokes get it's either a, a hiccup non-laugh from me or it's that shit from the crew. I can guarantee it. The crew, just a, a silent, laughless, slightly wide-eyed, emotionless mouth bunch wondering why they interned and runnered for free to get to this. To get a front row ticket for this shit. <laughs> like, Because they can't fake it, right? Just like... I mean, I'm really going into this open mic comedy thing here, but just bear with me, all right? It's it's just like an open mic comedy thing, like where you 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 don't want to perform a laugh, you know? The crew wouldn't want to fake a laugh for Maidley and make this person feel better, because then you're misleading him or her, whoever the act is, or if it's Maidley. If you smile or laugh, you would make them think that you found this shit funny. And then what would happen? You would build up their confidence and encourage this nonsense. You'd have to sit through similar shit again next week. So fuck that. Anyway, I can guarantee that is the studio crew's reaction to Richard Maidley's joke and his segues. Just wide-eyed emotionless, silent, and, um, I don't know, silent, but for the squelching sound of a minge cringe. Like, that is the only sound. <laughs> it's, it's all the female staff at GMB, multiple minges cringing like a choir of plungers or something. Yes, you can hear it sometimes in the background of GMB. Every vagina in a 30-foot radius of Maidley, just clamming the fuck up. And peppered, by the way, the audio with the cracking sound of studio staff cringing so hard that their molars shatter. <laughs> and every time it's like, cut to cam two, quick, move over to camera two, back to Susanna Reed, who is now basically like a fucking comedy compare trying to rescue the show. To really lean into the open mic comedy parallels here, Susanna Reed is like... You know, like when a shit act has just been on and stunk out the room. <laughs> just ate shit on stage. Just a terrible comedian. And then the MC has to go back up. 
and be like, oh, thanks a lot for that. Fucking ruined this room. Now I have to go on after that? Fuck's sake. That's Susanna Reed, right? Every time more nonsense comes out of Maidley's noise hole. Anyway, where was I? What was I talking about? Fucking... <laughs> Snow! That's right. That's, that's the most important thing happening in Britain now. Clearly. Bloody Snow. Oh, that and stop the boats. Obviously. I don't know how many of you saw that ship bubbling up. Yesterday, Suella Braverman, Rishi Sunak, setting out their stall. A big podium saying, uh, stop the... Well, was it a big podium or is it just fucking Sunak is tiny or forgot his platforms that day? I don't know. But it was a, a podium and on the front of it says, stop the boats. That is the latest CCHQ branded fucking stupid like three word slogan thing to go to market with and it's obvious what this is right i made a tiktok about it yesterday which seemed to explode on twitter so thank you to anyone who's listening to this who may have shared it um but for the benefit of those who who didn't see it on tiktok or twitter every time the tories re-engage with objective reality right every time they look at the polls and realize how bad they're doing you know, the donors, the business leaders that have abandoned them, the voters who are fed up with this paper thin culture war nonsense. Whenever they choose to remind themselves of how shit they've been and continue to be, they have a couple of options. They can either try to fix some of our problems or they can continue to operate as an administration team for billionaires who buy policy. And then, you know, fuck us all off with base level xenophobic nonsense and poppies and statues or whatever. And I remember there was a conservative business leader guy who walked out on them a couple of weeks ago. Because uh, he said that he had seen internal documents circulating. Suggesting that the plan for the next GE campaign was basically don't fix anything don't operate with anything close to the integrity and professionalism that you promised to bring back. No, fuck all that. It's just more of the same. More of the culture war, more of the refugee bashing, more of the talk of snowflakes and bringing back the death penalty and Megan and Shamima, more of the same. And I thought it was interesting then that no one denied it. Or at least I didn't hear anyone say like, oh, no, uh, actually, because uh, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's our action plan to solve all of your problems. Like, none of that. Instead, it was just silence. And, you know, maybe wide eyes and an emotionless mouth. I, I don't know. But, like, here we are a few weeks down the line, right? And, and it appears that that is actually, yes, that is quite obviously the plan. And it's so transparent. Like, it's so ridiculous to formulate your GE thing around, like, like, we don't need to go over the facts and stats and reality of asylum seekers, right? After this unfortunate latest campaign of, you know, we're going to, basically, we're going to criminalise people getting into boats. And if they come via the boat route, we're going to make, like, we'll ban it forever. They're never allowed to apply for asylum ever again. And, you know, like, it's so fucking weird. Do we need to go over the stats and the, the actual realities of this stuff? I know you people are smart listening to this show, but I don't need to tell you, right? Again, 
dear listeners, that that the overwhelming majority of people who claim asylum are found to be legitimate asylum seekers who were fleeing persecution, oppression, murder. Like, I don't need to tell you that we take fewer refugees than comparable European economies, right? Or that that the reason so many people want to come to the UK is because they already have family here. Or they speak English, but they don't speak French or German. Or, you know, I don't need to point a giant cartoon inflatable pointy hand thing at tax avoidance that costs the British taxpayer literally billions, like a hundred billion every year, while each refugee costs us like, you know, 50 grand or something. Like, I don't need to tell you that the quote unquote pressure on public services that these fuckers always bang on about is such a clear case of projection. It's just laughable. Like, here's a question for you, right? Who do you think puts more pressure on public services? The desperate brown dude in Dover, who you're always telling me is a young working age male, right, in his £40 a night travel lodge, you know, unlikely to need a hip operation or cancer treatment or a, a school placement even, like... If the majority of them are, as you say, Daily Mail, Daily Express, Braverman and co, if the majority of them are young, working age males, then what pressure are you thinking they're putting on public services? If they're not going to need a lot of NHS treatment, if they're not going to need a school placement. Anyway, look, fuck Braverman and the Express and the Mail for, for a second, just on the off chance that they're listening to this quaint little podcast. Back to you guys, dear listeners proper listeners here's my question who do you think puts more pressure on public services the brown guy in dover or the conservative party who have hacked away at hospitals and the police force and social care social housing schools who has put more pressure on public services really well, we've got to be careful about they we, we think they put pressure on public so oh you do do you how very fucking interesting you know what i'd like to see i would love to see this right i'd like to see an interview with some refugees on the beaches of france right and they're about to set off right let me set the scene for you there's waves crashing on the thing it's an overcast day it's a bit cold and the dinghies are there ready to sort of climb into. And anyway, these two refugees are talking amongst themselves about, you know, getting into the dinghy and, you know, weighing up their options. And anyway, this is how the conversation goes. It's like, are you are you sure we want to go to Britain? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's Great Britain. It's, you know, it's, it's jobs and hospitality and uh, and freedom from persecution and. Well, I mean, you could you could make a strong case we're already being persecuted now, like already from here. Well, how how do you mean? Well, do you, do you see any Ukrainians on this beach? No, uh, but and and their schools are getting shitter. The health service is fucked, right? But I mean, a lot of countries are going through a hard time right now, you know, because of you know Putin and and Russia. Yeah, but uh, how many countries have shit floating in their rivers? They have shit floating in their rivers. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, is it like an Ohio that, you know, like did a, a train derailed and poured it into the water supply? No, no, just every river and lake 
and harbour just fucking shit everywhere. Right, but, um, I mean, we, we'll get a hero's welcome, though, won't we? You know, they'll, they'll put us up in a travel lodge or something. No, no, no. Ukrainians get a hero's. Well, well what, what, what do we get? We get plastic bottles thrown at us. Right, but they... Not with shit in them, right? And and we get people calling us paedophiles from the premiere in Carpa. Wow, okay. I mean, that does sound... What about living standards? Are living standards, they're, they're pretty good? To... No, no, actually, they're falling behind Poland and Bulgaria. So fucking hell, why are we going there? Like, I would love to see that realisation. That acknowledgement of how shit this country has become by people who would traditionally be desperate to come here. On that beach, just wrapped in rags, you know, clutching an iPhone from 10 years ago, desperate to claim asylum. And I would love it, right, if Sky News were there to catch that moment. If they could just tear themselves away from the other big news story of the day, which is a slightly blackening grey rain cloud forming. So anyway, they're on the news their thing uh, on the beach and, and they're capturing this lovely lovely moment and um anyway they it's a moment of realization for the two refugees and um and it's a moment where even the refugees who traditionally would be desperate for asylum in a place like the united kingdom right at that moment they go like ah, well, maybe um maybe no <laughs> like you know like like they've just weighed up their op you know it's a bit like like the refugees in this scenario are a little bit like the girlfriend in the metaphor i was talking about before like where they've come from this place where they've been beaten and persecuted and oppressed and then they look at a place like britain and they should be like i mean he doesn't hit me though he doesn't hit me he's not as bad look this one doesn't like but no they're actually smarter than that they're like no nah, I, I think i could do better you know like <laughs> And at that point, here's what I would love Sky News to capture, right? At that point, a British embassy official instructed by the Home Office and the Ministry of Trade, right, desperate to fill the labour shortage and care for this ageing population, right? This border forcey embassy official, right, tried to force them into the fucking dinghies. You know, like, please, no, please, please do come to Britain. Just get your fucking bag, get your sandals, get in the fucking boat, you cunt. Right? And that's when they should turn around, these refugees, and they should go, like, turn around, and they should look at the home office guy and go, like, whoa, 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 uh, hang, hang on, sir, hang on, uh, please, just, just one second, you must listen, you must listen, this is important, sir. And then the Border Force Embassy guy stops, right, and he looks at the refugee, and the Sky News camera is filming him, right, and the refugee looks at him and just with the right amount of sass the refugee looks him dead in the eye and he looks up 45 degrees to the sky just behind him the guy's like can you can you get in the boat just get please get in the boat help britain we, we want you in britain and he looks up behind this guy and he goes look look over there it is a snow and a white balloon and fucking pegs it just play that distraction shit back around on us please guys that's it for this one, if you're enjoying these shows, the solo ones and indeed the guested ones on Friday nights, which, look, they can get a bit boozy. Last week was Super Tansky. We got fucking shit hammered. It was a lot of fun. Um, but if you're enjoying these things, uh, do jump on to the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson, uh, where I mentioned some of the benefits earlier. You get episodes two days before everyone else. 
before they re-emerge on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You get first look at live shows like the one me and Danny Price did. Uh, I'm doing another one of those, a solo one. It's probably going to be in July, so you'll get first look at that. Um, and it will sell out. This is the thing. like They will sell out. So if you want to get first look at those tickets, then they do go out to Patreon backers first. Uh, you also get access to the Discord uh, instant messaging like chat room thing me and all of the patreon guys are in there we talk about what's in the news we share memes um and finally you get named and shamed at the end of uh, episodes like this one so quick shout out to the patreon backers uh what's up to richard jeff ailsa mark eddie kai and Stuart. Then we've got Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex and Chris. And finally, we've got Silent, T-Rex, Sarah and Kerry. Thank you so, so much, guys, for continuing to support the show. I'll be back on Friday night. My guest this week is a guy called Steve McLean. Uh, he's a comedian that I used to gig with way back in the day. I'm really psyched to get him on. Uh, if you can tune in for the live stream, that'll be Friday night, half past seven on YouTube. Failing that, it'll be, well, it'll be straight out to Patreons after. Um, but then it will be out two days later to everyone else, as I've mentioned. That's it from me. All the best. Take care of yourselves. I'm outie.